Oh, we're getting oh so close to turning the calendar and leaving 2020 behind and heading to 2021. Welcome into another episode of the Hops and Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Green. we got a great one for you today as we talk beer trends with Kevin Patterson. Yeah, he talked a little bit about fall beers with us in an earlier podcast, and he's back to talk winter beers and beer trends that he's seen come and go and some that he's expecting to see in 2021. It's a really fun episode. Before we get to that, though, remember you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Hopspirits, all one word. And keep up with our shenanigans, our fun that we have with uh, our guests, and also some of our specialty things such as our bar conversations and probably a few other things happening in 2021. You won't want to miss that. Also, don't forget to uh, rate us five stars. Leave a nice comment on whatever player podcast player you're listening to us. It always helps us out, and we're really appreciative of that. And before we get into the hoppy side of things uh, i was fortunate enough to get a sample from uh, george dickel of their new single barrel program uh, which they just started it's in only a few states uh, right now and then it's going to head to to some more um, it's a 15 year whiskey of theirs and it's it can come in all sorts of variations because no two casks are the same so when i say all, all sorts i mean it comes in <laughs> several different varieties and it ranges from anywhere from 40% uh, ABV up to 52.3%. And uh, right now it's in California, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas. And more markets are coming uh, once the new year hits. It's uh, one that they say tasting notes range from uh, vanilla toffee uh, to kind of maybe a rich leather, saddle oil, and wood. Um, even to a more delicate perfume of fruit. Fruit, I can't talk today. Fruit and lavender notes. Uh, mine, the single barrel I had was more on the sweeter side, the fruitier side. Uh, kind of got more of that type of notes. Uh, it was really easily sipped, uh, and uh, also did a little mix with uh, some coke. Don't don't shoot the messenger on that one. I, I always like to mix mix every now and then, and I really liked it that way as well. I don't know if it's uh, as good as their bottle and bond. I think that might be my favorite. But this is coming in at a really good number, too. So you need to check out the George Dickel Single Barrel that's at least aged 15 years. And it's only about 60 bucks for uh, a fifth. Um, and like I said, it's in about five or six states now. More markets coming in 2021. It's definitely a, a, a good purchase and worthy of a try. And like I said, it's a little bit different than the, the regular uh, Dickels that, that are out there. Um, and it's uh, pretty uh, comparable in my mind in terms of how good it is to the bottle and bond. But I think I like the uh, bottle and bond just a little bit better. All right, enough of the spirits. Now let's get into the hoppy side of things. And joining us here on the Hops and Spirits podcast is Kevin Patterson, a Cicerone and national beer judge. He's also the manager of the Beer Trap Craft Beer Store and Bar in Lexington, Kentucky. Kevin, welcome back. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. It's uh, always a pleasure to be on. And now, you know, it's been a little while. How, how are things going? And, and also, happy holidays. Well, happy holidays to you. It's kind of a, a surreal experience because this year in some ways has been really slow. In some ways has flown by. Um, in some ways, my biological clock is still on April, March the 16th. And I'm still waiting on everything to lift and we get back to enjoying our spring. But uh, yeah, uh, I think the last time we spoke that I was um, on a hiatus from the beer trap. And so now I'm back into full swing. The construction there is over. The uh, Some of the mandates have lifted. We've learned more about... Um, the virus and more about how we can keep people safe and keep people social through it all. So my involvement with Beer Trap has definitely picked up. We're a little understaffed, and so we've picked up extra shifts and extra hours. Uh, so if anybody is hoping to swing by and catch me there, your chances are as great now as they've ever been, for better <laughs> or worse. 
<laughs> well, and you'll, you'll be able to, you know, pass off that knowledge of, you know, what you've been doing all your life now as a professional beer drinker. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and I've amassed a lot of stories and uh, I will hold you against your will explaining every one of them if you let me. <laughs> now, now, for those that don't know that maybe listening from outside of Lexington, not only has <clears throat> Kentucky, you know, shut things down for at times, you know, either 50% lower or, you know, no inside beverages, but where the beer trap is located, they were doing a massive uh, sewage project there and the whole road was torn up and you almost couldn't even get into the facility. So you guys have had a heck of a 2020. Uh, it was a, just a perfect storm for disaster business-wise, but um, yeah, we weathered that okay. The good news is the financial um, position of the the stores in good shape now. We wish it was better, but uh, we're we're you know we think there's brighter days ahead, and we're holding pace right now. The holidays helps a lot. There's a lot of folks that love the coziness of our store, the small, quaint nature of it uh, for the winter time. We decorate through the holidays. I think people enjoy the trees, the sounds, the the lights, and uh, so they come in. And they drink some wonderful winter beers, seasonal beers uh, that really do suit the weather, that suit the holiday spirit right now. And uh, so it's just a unique experience. I'm glad that we are open and can can do that for folks. And we kind of you know before we even got on, you know, we were chatting a little bit about things. And one of the things I was curious about, and you were happy to talk about it, is how has the pandemic kind of affected the bar bar scene brew pubs breweries because i mean you know obviously if anyone's paying attention there's a lot more canning being done by by breweries some that gets distributed to places like y'all others that are pickup only but obviously this pandemic has sped up probably a lot of things and changed a lot of things yes it has um some fascinating uh trends that i've seen early in the pandemic a lot of brewers your large regional breweries like your dogfish head your founders your stone uh, a lot of those decided, let's not do so many experimental one-off beers. Let's just rock out our flagship beers or the beers that you know, hold the better sales for us. And customers have responded real well to that. Um, you know, a few years ago, when everybody was burning, out, burning up untapped and some of those other uh, sites and apps, uh, it didn't matter if the beer was good. It just had to be new. Well, that's not the case right now. Right now, people through the fall, they just want to get off Oktoberfest. Now they just want a solid brown. They want a solid stout. They don't want a stout that's 15% made with kumquats and razor blades. They just want a sensible stout. <laughs> and uh, so there's something holistic and something very nice about that. Um, one thing I've also noticed is um, the people who are enjoying some of those more classic brands, they're not sort of the older beer drinkers that you would expect them to be. They're the younger beer drinkers. And it dawned on me several months ago that um, during the eight or 10 years when craft beer was at 10 to 15% rise each year, which was astronomical, there's no way could we, we could sustain that. Uh, it was done by a demographic of millennials who just treated craft beer as their primary hobby. And we were happy to you know, uh, kind of cater to that. Um, but that group has really subsided, and I think it's because they've gotten a little older. They're not older college students. They're not young professionals. Um, they have families, and they have other obligations, and this pandemic has caused them to focus more on that instead of chasing the beer, seeing the latest, the greatest, the kumquats, the razor blades. Uh, they don't do that anymore. So what? who has been drinking the classic beers are a lot of your younger drinkers, the people that come in, and I'm convinced there's no way this person was 
is 21 years old, but you check their ID and it says 1999. And of course they can. So you serve them <laughs> a beer and I'm introducing them to things like Hofbrau Dunkel. I'm introducing them um, to Edelstoff by Augustiner. That's just a really good lager. Um, Celebrator Doppelbach. Some of those brands that were nearly extinct a few years ago are making a huge comeback right now. So that is a, a pleasant surprise. And I'm hoping some of our local uh, breweries and you know, breweries in America can, can kind of notice that um, because even though I love what American craft beer has done, I think America is the most exciting place in the world to drink beer right now. Um, but for us to have 8,000 breweries or close to it, um, there's very little variety. There's pastry stouts, there's kettle sours, um, there's hazy IPAs, and that is about the end of your variety. It's hard to find beers um, that have balance. It's hard to find beers that have subtlety and they're just easy drinking so, you know, beer that you can just get a 12 or 16 ounce glass drink with conversation with friends and turn your brain off a little bit and just have a good time. I was going to say, I've, I've noticed that a little bit going out to places that maybe sometimes they get a little over crazy with the, the fruit or something like that. Cause like you said, they were there for a while. It seemed like they were all trying to like one up each other. And, and now some of the beers I even go toward are what I would consider not basic beers, but you know, like a, a dark Mexican lager, you know, it's just something more on the simple side. But when you, like you said, if it's done well and balanced, it's a great drinking beer. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, Tuesday nights, taco night around here. And, you know, whenever I can find Negro Modelo fresh and you know, I'll put it in the cart, I'm not opposed to that. You know, and then as we kind of talk about beer trends, obviously you've been in, in this business as a professional drinker now for, you know, over, over a decade. Uh, wh what are some that you have kind of maybe seen uh, grow over the past few years uh, um, that, you know, obviously I, I know we're seeing some more sours and smoothie sours and pastry things and, and such like that. But what are, what are some of the things you've seen grow over the past few years? Uh, the biggest trend, no doubt, has been the hazy IPA, the New England styled IPA. And, uh, and I think, you know, there's a, a sense of being enamored with, with those flavors really good. I do think that that style has transformed how we think about hops. Hops doesn't have to be primarily bitter anymore. When I started homebrewing in the late nineties, early two thousands, uh, some of the old timers that would make IPAs, uh, they would say, okay, hops are for bitterness. And if you use too much in a dry hop stages, you're basically wasting the bittering ability of that hops. Therefore you're wasting your money. We don't think that way anymore. Um, some of the new hops has come along. Um, they actually have better aromatic qualities and flavor qualities uh, than bitter qualities. And so we just emphasize uh, those aspects of the hops. And that means we sometimes have to change our water profiles. We have to change our yeast strains. We have to change uh, our grain bill uh, to suit hop aromatics and hop flavor and to, to, to a certain extent downplay the bitterness. So that's the birth of the hazy IPA in a nutshell. Uh, so that has kind of dominated the scene recently. And it's really caused a lot of breweries to abandon some styles that I, I, I thought had some potential, like the black IPA. Uh, there for a season or two, seemed like the brew IPA was trying to make a little bit of headway. But brewers have kind of turned away from those. They just kind of realized people, people want the haze. And so breweries are happy to produce the haze. There's a guy that came in the other day that was from California, and he did no bearded iris, the brewery. And so he said, so do they make hazy IPAs? And I said, well, let me say this. They make about 50 beers. 75 of them are hazy IPAs. So, you know, that's kind of where we are. And um, there's minor differences between a lot of the brands. They can all bleed together quite a bit. Um, but that's been the big trend that I've seen. 
Um, the other things, you know, sours, those are very popular. And these beer styles, the hazies and the sours, they're independent of the weather. Usually we think about sour ales as being something with more of a, win- a summer beer. And you think the sales of that would trail off a little bit in the, the winter. Nope, not so much. Right now, one of the hottest breweries in our store is Urban Artifact out of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, anything we get in from them is just red hot right now. It just sells so quickly. Uh, Bearded Irish with the hazies is really good. Um, but this is the time of year when even those breweries do have to share the stage a little bit with the pastry stouts, um, the, the the beers that are you know, 750, six ounces. It's a diabetic shock in a glass. Um, as a matter of fact, <laughs> if people order more than two between their second, third, I make them take an insulin shot. I just won't serve them the third one before I make them take an insulin shot. <laughs> Uh, not, but, but you're, you're not wrong. There's a lot of flavor, a lot of fruit, a lot of, a lot of sugars that can go into some of those beers right now. So you got to watch them. Uh, now, now you kind of touched on this, you know, you kind of talked about the, the dark IPAs, the black IPAs that have didn't really happen as you might've expected. What's maybe some more that you thought were going to maybe pop off and didn't, or that were big. And now you really don't see much of anymore. Um, one style that comes to mind is not really a change in style at all. It's a change in marketing. What's happened is the uh, Session IPA really lost a lot of steam um, after it was popular for a couple of years. People just realized, hey, if I want hops, I also want the booze. So give me a 7% or not a 4%, uh, especially when the price was pretty close to being the same. Um, but what breweries have done, they've taken out some of the calories by reducing the amount of residual sweetness in those IPAs and maybe used a few of those hazy techniques to create a beer they call the low-cal IPA. And that's just a different way to look at the Session IPA because it has a lot of those hot-forward flavors, maybe not the aggressive bitterness, um, but you also get the lighter package. A lot of these breweries, they're using like enzymes like you find in the Brewed IPA as a method to lighten the carbohydrate character, thus you lighten the calories of of the beer. So, uh, the locale IPA is, or uh, locale L is, is gained some traction here recently. Uh, the sales of those have trailed off a little bit now that the weather has come around. People are, they're going to wear the stretchy pants. They're going to wear sweatshirts. They're going to eat goulash and they're going to drink full body beer. That's just what you do during the, during the winter time. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, you can definitely see, see the locale IPAs. I almost liken that to a, you know, ultra, you know, the athletic, branding of you know you're out for a run or, or whatever and you, you still want an ipa well the local ipa is kind of that perfect marketing tool right now for for those type of folks it is and um as the craft beer industry started easing up in its growth numbers and growth started moderating around zero to two percent um brewers i think were scared a little bit that people were going to go back to those mick ultra type beers with a you know, the commercials shows people athletics, shows people, you know, after a run to the beach, you know, they reach for one of those. So I think the brewers said, okay, well, let's do that too, but let's do it with our flavors. Let's do it with our ingredients. Let's do it with our technique and our marketing strategies. So founders with all day did an okay job with that with the session IPA. Now you have like dogfish head, uh, the slightly mighty, that's a good one. So, and there's a lot of, a lot of them following suit, even though those are still selling. Okay. The summertime when people are looking at those vacation times, when we're allowed to take vacation um or go to a pool or do something like that uh, people are like oh i'm going to take off my shirt people are going to see my midriff maybe i don't need a pastry stout right now maybe i do need that locale ipa uh, i i love that that description there and and i guess to some degree do you do you also think that you know sometimes when sales or at least the industry is kind of you know obviously not doing 
growing gangbusters, then people really have to sit down and pay attention and get more creative in the sense of finding what people want, maybe more long-term than just kind of a good one-off. I mean, do you, do you think that's kind of challenged brewers to do a little better in, in a sense? Yeah, somewhat. I do think so. And I think that's the reason why so many brewers have decided, let's just focus on our core brands because we know we do those well. We know we can improve them. We know we can rock these out and give folks something that um, that's stable, uh, something that's familiar, something that's comfort. You know, we talk about comfort food at restaurants or at home. Uh, well, I think there's comfort beers too. And I think during the pandemic, when people are drinking, maybe at home, they're more likely to come in and grab a six pack of a six pack cooler, something that's sensible, something that's drinkable, something that's moderate in alcohol content. Um, but it's just, it, it, it fits like a glove for them flavor wise. It's a, it's a comfort beer. Uh, so that's where you just see a guy just reach for a two hearted L. So it's when some lady, you know, she'll come in just grab a scrimshaw, uh, a six pack. You know, whereas any other time they may sit down and order two or three different beers off the draft or maybe get a mix and match six pack to go, uh, take a chance to look at the labels. I think maybe people are maybe buying in a little bit more haste if they want to get into a store and out quickly. Or if nothing else, they just want an opportunity to turn off their brain and just buy a beer. And so a, a quick six pack or something that they know they've loved for years uh, is just something comfortable to them. And I can't fault anyone for wanting some sense of normalcy, uh, even whenever it comes to beer purchasing and beer drinking right now. I think I think those things are all very welcomed if it helps people emotionally, if it helps people mentally. Um, and so I think there's just something comfortable about that. You know, when, when cooking at home, I like to experiment. I like to do a lot of stuff. But sometimes you just want a cheeseburger. That's, That's very true. <laughs> uh, you, you, you touched on it a little bit. I mean, do you, do you think that that's uh, uh, something that like y'all, you know, being a craft beer bar will also have to pay attention to is, is maybe the changing habits of, of the consumer a little bit. Now, obviously when things get back to normal, whenever, you know, you want to say normal, whatever normal is and whenever that may occur. But I mean, do you see it going right back to the way it was or, or do you think people might be a little more apt to just kind of go with the, uh, the known quantities over the unknown. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to forecast, but I do think that those days of uh, the beer advocates, the rate beers, um, the untapped kind of uh, pushing people in a certain direction of how they buy beer, I don't necessarily think we're going to see that at that fervor like we did five and seven years ago. It's still going to be there. Those sites aren't going away. And the folks that treat beer like a hobby, they're not going away. But I'm seeing less uh, major beer groups forming. And when that happens, of course, there's, you know, some people kind of swaying people to drink this, to drink that, to don't drink this, don't drink that. I don't see that as much anymore. And I think that the, the newer beer drinkers, um, the new people that we're calling the 21 crowd, can you believe that next month we can start letting people that were born in 2000 legally drink beer in your bar? No, when you said 1999, I about had a back. <laughs> so, but I think this new crowd, I think they're less swayed by groups. I don't think they necessarily want to be a part of a bigger beer community. I think they want to come in with their friends. You know, we're seeing groups of four, five, six people come in, uh, sit down, and people who I would not normally associate with craft beer, well, they're ordering craft beer. And it might be a new American brand. It might be something a little older. Um they don't really think of the older beers as being passe. For a store like ours, it's it somewhat gets us back to our roots, which I'm excited about. When we first opened, we didn't know we were at the cusp of 10% growth in the craft beer world. 
Um, so we designed the beer trap to have a little bit more of an English and, and Belgian motif. Uh, we designed it to be half focused on European brands that we trusted, the other half on American beers. And then shortly after, we kind of realized, okay, people are shifting their drinking habits. People don't necessarily want uh, all those English beers, Scottish beers, German beers, Belgian beers. What they want is American. And so as we went from 1,200 breweries a decade ago uh, to 8,000 now, the, the push, the American side of the, the, the aisles has really pushed against those European brands quite a bit and somewhat edging them out. And so now I see the European stuff pushing back because there's, I think the, the younger drinkers, they're just less swayed by the American craft and they're a little bit more um, accommodating to maybe some of those older brands with a little bit of a passe looking label or names like Dunkel or, uh, you know, just Belgian Pale L, uh, some of those flavors. I think, I think they enjoy that. And so there's a part of me that enjoys that too. It really gets us back to the roots of being a pub where there's a beer for everyone. Beer is a common person's beverage. Um, it's affordable. Everybody on a standard middle-income budget can come in and buy any beer you want in our store. And so there's a familiarity and there's a comfort level with your wallet as well and with your, you know, it's easier to take chances on some things. And so I think the younger audiences are more willing to check out some of those European brands as well. Now, keep in mind, it used to be that it was the older folks, the folks that were probably you know, late 40s into their 60s that would fuel the European craze. Um, those folks right now are largely scared to go out in public and for obvious reasons. Uh, they may say, let's do a curbside. You take my credit card information. We bring it out there. Yeah, just pop it in my trunk and go. That's perfectly fine too, but we're seeing less and less of that. So the upsells in the European brands is not necessarily fueled by kind of the old timers, find their way back in, it really is a younger audience. And uh, that's something I didn't see coming. And then, you know, looking ahead to 2021 uh, and beyond, uh, what, what's some, what are some styles that we might see? It, it, will it be more maybe on the English European style, you know, Belgians, German style loggers, things like that, or, or will it be maybe more the hazies and, and things like that? Yeah, I think that 2020 has caused everything to slow down a little bit. So I'm not looking at any huge crazes to kind of make their way into 2021. Um, the sours will continue to get more popular, uh, especially more affordable sours, uh, kettle sours, uh, your barrel aged sours that can really push the price point up. They're not really all that popular. So I think the kettle stuff is, is really doing well. Uh, Urban Artifact is obviously the one that's gained the most momentum recently. Uh, so I think that kind of flavor is going to continue to get big. Hazy IPAs are going to stay big. Uh, but I do think that a lot of folks are, uh, they're finding out that when the hazies are done really, really well, they're excellent. They're worth going out of your way and finding. Um, however, not everybody makes excellent hazy IPAs. So if they're not going to be excellent, then I think a lot of folks would rather just have the bitter stuff, the drier stuff, the stuff where you can drink multiple in one sitting. I am guilty for uh, going to a place and, oh, you got this hazy IPA on tap? Oh, cool. It's 12%. Yeah, got to have it. So you drink it and you thoroughly enjoy it. But by the time you get to the end of that glass, you kind of realize, I don't want another one of these IPAs. Palate fatigue, the lack of dryness, the lack of kind of that bitter bite in the back of the throat uh, makes it so palate fatigue comes on a little quicker. So it makes me want to switch gears, go to something else. Um, and I think a lot of folks, especially when they are reaching for that six pack, they want it to be a little bit more drier, crisper, a little bit more refreshing in the finish. And then you're looking at something a little bit more West coast driven, the kind of IPA that was popular 10, 15 years ago. Um, 
And so I think that's because you can treat multiple of those in one sitting because they don't leave so much fatigue. They don't leave so much cereal grain, residual sweetness, so much that fruity density on the on the finish to the point where it's a little bit more of a dessert and uh, less refreshing. And uh, th- there's room for both. Um, you know, the more full flavored stuff is meant for just that. It's meant for a flavor impact. It's not meant for refreshing. If you want beer that's refreshing, you go for a different direction. You want to go something with a crisper mouthfeel, you, and you know, you don't necessarily put the biggest prize on the most intense flavors when you want refreshment. And so there's room for both, but I do think that the haze craze has kind of fallen off a little bit on some people uh, just because they realize not everybody can be a treehouse, not everybody can be a trillium, uh, not everybody can be a bearded iris. And if you can't be that, then we'd just rather have something crisp, clean, refreshing, give me something with 70 IBUs and bones around the finish. Well, and anytime you get up to, you know, like you said, you were at 1200, we were at 1200 a decade ago, now we're at 8,000. Not all 8,000 are unfortunately going to be great. You know, some of them are going to have some some good 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 ones from time to time, but other times they might might struggle a little bit. So you you definitely have to watch out. And and as we talk about beers, you know, we're we're heading into the holidays. Well, I mean, basically we are in the, the holiday season. So you, your Christmas ales and your and those type of things are are out now. And what what can people expect for for those while they're out on the shelves for maybe a couple maybe another week or so? I mean, today is the first day of winter. And uh, we've kind of turned a corner, and I've got some bad news. We've already run out of several of our Christmas ales, and it's unlikely we're going to get more in. I think that because during the pandemic, brewers have focused so much on their core brands and less on even seasonals, that they made less seasonals this year. Uh, I think whenever they put together the schedule for brewing, uh, this is probably back in June or July, um, they didn't know if we were going to be open for bar. They didn't know if we were going to retail sales were going to be strong or not. So I think a lot of brewers were scared of holding on to too much product. So they intentionally scaled back. So you're not going to find a whole lot of those out. Uh, I know for us in the retail market, if you want Christmas sales from Europe, you have to order those in June. And then a distributor has to decide and an importer has to decide, do we have enough pre-commitments, uh, to move a pallet, to move a case, to move maybe a whole, you know, a whole box, you know, that comes off the barges. Uh, can we move that? And then they have to decide whether they want to or not. So even though we commit as a store, it doesn't mean that's what we're going to get. So, you know, whenever you start, you know, seeing the beers come through and you start writing the checks and uncreating everything, one thing you realize is we're not, we don't have enough if they allow bars to be open, if they still allow retail stores to operate the way we are right now, we're not going to have enough products. So we've already run out of several uh, beers on tap. What's happened also is um, right now we have a great, variety on on draft the didole um uh still an oct is is excellent this year this is the best version they've ever put out that's a belgian brewery one of our favorites of the beer trap uh, it's a belgian strong pale ale christmas spices clocks in at 12 percent very good um also saint bernard's christmas ale we've had that one on draft too again very good that's my favorite christmas ale that i look forward to every year this time of year in the holidays that's when i want those belgian quads big time i don't necessarily have to have a belgian quad any other time of year but right now it's almost daily i'm going to have a belgian quad and so those are ones that's really popular um but if it has a christmas name on the label it's really sluggish i mean it's they're out the door already so people are going to come in they're going to be a little disappointed that we don't have any more in uh, Great Lakes Christmas, we're already out. Bells, we're already out. People did do their job, and they come in and shop early for those, but the supply for those is really, really low. So here it is. We're a few days prior to Christmas, and if you're going to go out looking for a Christmas ale, you may have to make some other considerations because they're just not going to be there the way you think they should be right now. We kind of run the same thing with pumpkin ales. Um, 
the the demand for pumpkin ales is really late. Last couple of years, people don't want them until really late. Well, by then, uh, we're already out. Um, so leading up to the last week, you know, we're just kind of out of those seasonals. Pandemic has something to do with that. Keep in mind, this happens too. This is a weird um, thing that you know I think customers don't realize either. When they put these beers on barges, it's a combination of stuff that will last voyage, the stuff that was stronger, stuff is sweeter, but there's still a lot of perishable beers on there too, wheat beers, lagers. So what happens is you load the barge with beer, then all of a sudden everybody comes to work the barge. I don't know if it takes 100, 150 people to run one of these, but what happens if you show up and they start taking temperatures of the crew, and let's say 20% of them have a fever? Do they float the barge to America? No, they don't. So it sits there. It sits there for a week, 10 days. It can sit there a little while longer. Then an importer has to decide, if we send this over to America, they're going to send a lot of products that will perish on their way. We're not going to be able to get it on the shelf in that three-month window uh, that we need wheat beers and pilsners to get on the shelf and sell. Uh, so what they do is they say, okay, we're going to renege this entire shipment. So the shipment can sell at a reasonable rate in Europe, uh, get it out fresh, get it out easier that way. But the problem is the other half of those beers, like Christmas sales, they don't make their way over here. So that's happened uh, pretty much during the pandemic. So a lot of those beers that we were used to hanging our hat on from Europe, we're having a hard time getting them in. We get them in, but not as often as we did. Uh, there's some beers that have been year-round for a decade. Now we're like, well, we're just out right now, and you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. And if customers care to hear that story, of course, I'll tell them. If they don't, then I'll say, oh, just check back next month. We'll see them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and also, also, I mean, you know, people don't realize just because it's winter time or summertime or whatever, those beers kind of come out before then, you know, that's why you see the Oktoberfest, the Mars and things like that in, you know, early August, late July. Cause you know, they have a shelf life, <laughs> you know, they, they, people really don't always want them right after that season. So they got to get them before the season. And I'm sure the same with, with Christmas sales. And, and also now, even though it's now officially winter, winter beers have been out for a bit. So, you know, people might be shocked to hear that, but that's how it works. And that's the tough thing that brewers have to decide. If they put a beer out and it says Christmas L on the label, it'll sell real well up to Christmas. But the day after Christmas, you might as well hang on to it to the 4th of July. People aren't going to buy it. However, you can take the same beer and put winter L on it, and you won't sell real well prior to Christmas. You'll do okay, but not do great. But you do have a chance of selling that beer into January, February, and March. Uh, so I think that's kind of fascinating, uh, the, just the marketing approach um, the breweries take. And, and, I mean, they can put a barley wine out for Christmas and call it Christmas Ale, and it'll sell well to Christmas. Um, but if they put barley wine um, winter ale, um, then they'll sell it maybe until you know, the weather starts improving in spring. So it's just marketing ploys, and, and every brewery has to kind of decide how to do that. And because of that, I think that we have seen a lot of these quads and spice beers for Christmas come out prior to Christmas, but then after Christmas – that's when you see breweries start to focus a little bit more on imperial styles, barley wines, uh, strong Scottish ales, and some of those beers may be a touch more um, perfectly suitable for Christmas, but they have a tendency to want to hold on to those because they don't want to be confused with being a Christmas beer. And I was going to say, I mean, what can people expect with those winter beers? You know, I mean, obviously some of them will have maybe, you know, some, some fun, fun things with them, you know, a, a cookie flavor, you know, things like that. But what can people expect for, from most, uh, winter beers? Booze. It's got to have high gravity. And so people do want their, uh, high alcohol beers at, at that time of year. Um, yeah. Anything that's going to push 
we've gotten to the point now where when people start to look into beers that are 8% alcohol, they call those moderately uh, alcoholic beers. And that's because I think that this time of year, we're starting to see beers that carry, um, you know, 9, 10, 12, 15% alcohol. A uh, guy asked me yesterday, what's the highest alcohol percentage you guys have ever had in here? I said 30% or close to it. Sam Adams Utopias. So his jaw about hit the floor. Uh, and I said, there's really no limit. Um, but this is the kind of year whenever we will kind of sell those beers a little bit more. Yeah, you know, barley wines are traditionally a late winter beer. Uh, those, uh, you know, imperial stouts with, you know, coffee and maybe some wood age action on them. I mean, those are those will start rolling out a little bit more here in the next uh, month or so. Uh, then you have your outliers, uh, your big IPAs. Most of the IPAs we're getting in right now are Imperials, just because people want the booze this time of year. Uh, they want the 8%, 9%, 10% uh, IPAs. Um, and that's why you know Bells have traditionally put out their hop slam till end of January or early February, because uh, they know this is the time that you know, people still want their hops. They just want it in a little bit bigger package. And then normally, you know, I ask folks on, on the podcast, what's next for you? But obviously your job's a, a little different. So I'm going to switch it up a little bit and, and finish up with what are three breweries that you're enjoying right now that people may not have heard of and need to look out for? Okay. So when we can get them in is a nightmare brewing company. Um, they're New England somewhere. I want to say Massachusetts somewhere. Um, not the most kid-friendly artwork. All of their art depictions are horrific ways to die. And they're very graphic. It's straight out of a Freddy Krueger movie. Um, but they make some fantastic beers, um, some hazy IPAs, some of your more fruit-forward sours. 16-ounce uh, cans, some of their sours are going to go in that 7 to 9% range. So your ROI is there. Uh, usually those will come in about 8 bucks for a 16-ounce can. So not the most uh, cheap, but certainly not unaffordable either. Um, but I think people have just been blown away uh, by those. The Urban Artifact, uh, mentioned those a couple times already. That's a brewery. That's probably our hottest brewery right now. Uh, well, and it doesn't hurt that they're semi-local up in Cincinnati that, either. That's it. you know. And uh, I'll put a little bit of pressure on our local breweries right now. Uh, we do get a lot of folks coming and wanting local. Uh, but aside of Alltech, which distributes so many places, people don't, don't necessarily want theirs at the bear trap all the time. Um, but I can sell Wessex, I can sell Country Boy, and we're very happy to do that. But people want more variety than that. And our locals, they sell so much of the volume out of their tap room that they don't feel the need to distribute through a distributor and get it to, to our place. And so I would love to represent some of those breweries more. We just haven't had that opportunity yet. So even whenever I go and talk to these guys at their tap rooms, I'm like, hey, when are you guys going to distribute out? I want more of your stuff, you know, in, in bottles and cans at the beer trap. Um, so hopefully that'll be a trend that'll change going into 2021. I know Ethereum was all set to do some of that, but we haven't seen their stuff yet. I think Fusion, uh, very local. I think they have a they may want to try some of those things here soon. So we'll see how all that goes. Um, and hopefully all the other breweries will decide to send some stuff out that way too, because we do need more local representative uh, beers uh, at stores like ours, and not just ours, even the big box players. They probably want to, to have some of the local stuff at their uh, their places as well. And then you, you you said you know what nightmare brewing, urban artifacts. So what what's your third third one on the list? Uh, let's get another good one out there. You know, Brew Dog's making a big push right now uh, to get some new products out there. Uh, I think a lot of people know Brew Dog, but they don't know the new Brew Dog, uh, the Brew Dog that you know people know. Uh, I think come from Scotland, um, but there's a new Brew Dog um, coming from Columbus. 
new brands, new flavors, and even those brands that may have gotten a little bit stale coming from Europe uh, now are fresh or bright or crisp or cleaner. So I'm actually enjoying some of BrewDog's uh, beers right now. That's pretty good. I'll add one more. Uh, this one just came to me. Odd 13 out of uh, Denver, Colorado. A um, little bit more comic book labels. Uh, they do really nice. Uh, label art. Uh, they focus on the hazy IPAs a lot too. We've gotten a lot of things in from them. I had a coffee stout from them last night that was pretty solid. Uh, but I've really been enjoying some of their things as well. Well, Kevin, uh, you got a lot, a lot of stuff for us to think about, and a lot of good information. And, and as always, I, I appreciate you you hopping on and, and talking a lot of good beer. Uh, you got me thirsty now. I think I'm gonna get off here and grab one. <laughs> I might have to do the exact same. <laughs> no, but it's always a pleasure to be on. Uh, I think you're a class act. You run a great podcast, and I'll, I'll come on anytime you ask. I want to thank Kevin Patterson for coming on again to talk beer, beer trends, favorite breweries that he's been trying lately. It was just a really great conversation. And for beer lovers like myself, I do enjoy bourbons and whiskeys and uh, all sorts of other spirits too. But uh, beer, beer might be my favorite. It was really fun chat. Uh, especially to pick his mind as he he sees things a little differently not only from the amount of things that he's done in his life with beer uh, but also he works at a bar that serves all types of beer and you know to see how people are kind of coming in and purchasing things may be a little different now in 2020 and probably into 2021 uh, with some great insight Remember to check out our friends One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. You can find them at One Sip Beer Review. They do near daily beer reviews, great giveaways, and they have a whole lot of fun and some silly videos from time to time, too. They are One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. And don't forget, we have one more episode dropping next week. It's a, a lot of my favorite interview clips and a few things happening in 2021 with the podcast. Until next time, cheers, everyone. <laughs>